Every summer, migrants come to New Zealand from the Pacific for short-term work. The cap on the numbers allowed has continued to increase in the face of industry calls to ease labour shortages in New Zealand. But there are risks of exploitation. Last year, migrant workers housed in Rotorua were found to be enduring unacceptable living conditions, crammed seven people to a room in breach of immigration rules, and elsewhere a group of Solomon Islanders took an employer to court over hours worked and deductions to their minimum wages. This is kind of important to remember, I think, because exploitation of Pacific workers is historic. Back in the mid-19th century, thousands were kidnapped from their homelands and brought to work in Australia as slaves. It was a practice that Scott termed blackbirding. The exhibition Outcast, currently on at Tamaki Makoto's Gus Fisher Gallery, brings together two artists who for many years have both separately considered migrant labour and the Pacific slave trade. They are fourth-generation Australasian... Um, Australian South Sea Islander Jasmine Togo Brisby and Aotearoa-based Tongan John Vea. And both, curiously enough, work with plaster, as you'll hear. Vea and Togo Brisby both join me in the studio, and I started by asking Jasmine to explain who South Sea Islanders are. Uh, Australian South Sea Islanders are the Australian-born descendants of um, those who were abducted from the Pacific so, um, yeah, Australian-born descendants of the Pacific slave trade is how I shorten it. Yeah. But, yeah. And that is across the Pacific? How many islands do we know that where, where people were taken from? It was mainly, to Australia, it was mainly the Solomons and Vanuatu. But people all throughout the Pacific were displaced through blackbirding. So people went as far as Peru. Um, growing up as a South Sea Islander, these... Uh, Story, you know, that's culture which is, you know, it's told to us from very young age, like that's Im- embedded in us. Like it's not, there's no real new content for us. That's what we grow up knowing and hearing those oral histories of what happened to our people. It's not new information, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, John, what's your history in terms of your family coming to Aotearoa? You, you grew up in New Zealand. Yeah. I guess my, my father worked in Fletcher Fisheries in the 80s, 90s, um, mm. and so that was my, I guess, well, everyone went, every other kid went to uh, kindy, uh, my kindy was in the factories, and so we grew up in that space <laughs> um, and learnt and, I guess, and understood how things worked. That's, that's incredible. So what were you doing in the factory while your dad worked? We you? would, um, we would, do stock taking <laughs> um, and uh, uh, end up being jockeys for uh, trucks, for truck drivers, just trying to stay away or stay out of the way. Um, and so we'll end up doing things that we could just um, fill time with. How many generations of your family have been in, in New Zealand? Were your, your, your um, parents immigrants to New Zealand? or? Yeah. Um, so my grandfather migrated here um, in this... 60s, 70s, um, and then eventually my mother came after uh, in the in the 70s, and then my father came along, and they met, they both met here in Aotearoa. Um, but my grandfather worked at a Kiwi Bacon. Right. I eventually worked at the same, uh, well, the same factory, um, but it was Carlton Party Hire. Um, <laughs> so it had changed to Carlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... I guess in terms of, I guess, uh, generational <laughs> factory workers, um, I ended up working in the same space that my grandfather once worked at. 
and yeah. they still had the rails, um, the carcass rails in the um, Carlton Party Hire uh, workshop. And so, yeah, three generations. So your work has become to be very associated with the factory work and with this nature of employment for Pacific Islanders, both resident here but also seasonal workers. So that's sort of been part of your life both as a worker and as an artist, right? Yeah, it's something, again, I grew up with and using that kind of experience and making work from it, that's part of my art practice, is that learning through doing and being able to make practice out of it, it becomes an authentic outcome. And so, yeah, it's just a way of making for me. Um, I mean, I think if, uh, not so long ago, I, I don't know if you were still doing it, it sounds like you've got a new job in Christchurch and uh, sculpture at the, with the, at the art school there, which is congratulations. But I, I know you've. it's not so long ago you were working, I think, in a potato chip factory, I think even over summer, like summer factory jobs was, was something that you did to, to make do as well as inform your practice, yes? Yeah, just to keep up with the living cost of living uh, and being a student, <laughs> working in, in um, spaces like the factory has always been a, a common theme uh, of being a student. And so um, I worked at the potato f- uh, factory um, in the summer break, um, just experiencing those kind of rules around taking break and being able to access uh, a certain space, uh, wearing PPE gear mm. um, and communicating with each other in a very kind of loud, noisy ambience. It's, uh, yeah, I find those kind of... Uh, experiences or or just um, ways of being interesting. And so I try and bring those aspects from working in a factory into an art context. Can you explain how that shows up in the show? Because I know you've got a few works there that have evolved over the years. I have the... (laughs) I have my old... uh, I have the PhD uh, work that was meant to... um, that was shown in 2020 during the lockdown. Uh Ah, Um, that work, which is titled Section 6970 Employment Relations Act 2000, um, that smoko break policy, and that's what the work is titled. Uh, and so that, wo- uh, that work is in response to working in the potato f- uh, chip factory yeah. um, and going to our smoko breaks. Um, there's these... <laughs> tourist advertisement on the walls and saying go to Samoa or go to Tonga um, and I thought it was quite funny because majority of the workers are all from this space um, and it, it's almost like a uh, could I say piss take? No I think you can definitely <laughs> say piss take <laughs> it's, it's almost like a piss take to, to, the, to the workers there um, because they've left this space or they've left the islands to work in these areas, and yes. they had these uh, tourist uh, posters um, telling them to go and, you know, spend their holiday, spend your money <laughs> in, in the spaces <laughs> they came from. And so um, I've used, yeah, I've kind of used that aspect uh, and implemented in the in this current show. In the, um, this context, I've, I've looked at um, Pacific academics um, and um, how they refer to the Pacific or the Moana as a... Um, a place of empowerment um, and so try to mm. change up the, the context of the smoker rooms that I worked in um, and more kind of an empowerment to um, Pacific people. 
It's, it's interesting you mentioned these posters because it does remind me, and it, this does also remind me a little bit of your work, Jasmine, in terms of Vanuatu, where I've been. You know, when you go to Vanuatu, New Zealand's very present there. You know, um, you know, the roads are built by a lot of New Zealand, by a New Zealand company. There are a lot of workers who um, have been over in New Zealand and have come back. You know, we're very present there. But you know, when you are, when I, I, I dare say, when you talk to a lot of New Zealanders, they they would be hard pressed to sometimes even say well, Vanuatu is on the map. You know, it, it, the, mm. there's an imbalance in perception that we have in relationship to the Pacific that John's work is speaking to. Your work also has that connection back to Vanuatu in terms of what you're doing visually in the show, I believe. Yeah, um, I mean, I think my practice is always looking back, um, you know, from a from a South Sea perspective, and you know, I'm I'm not trying to sort of recreate or claim like near Vanuatu art forms, yeah. but it is a it is a looking back to to respond, I guess, to a lot of those laments which are still performed in Vanuatu today um, for the people who were taken off the beaches to never return. Um, so, yeah, I've for one of my new installations, which I've made specifically for Gus Fisher for this show, is a um, site-specific installation which I've called Hold, and I use the tam-tam drums of Vanuatu, which are the, the tourists, like the miniature tourist-sized ones. Um, right. And I, I, cast, I cast those in plaster, and I've, I've, I think there's over 100 of them, um, to they sort of are um, formatted to uh, reflect and mimic the dome gallery in the Gus Fisher Gallery. Wow, why have you done that? When I seen, I'd never been into Gus Fisher Gallery, um, sadly, until now. And so when I seen the images of that space, I asked Lisa and John if they'd be okay with me. Um, yeah, just really directly responding to it. So it's very grand and European, it's isn't it? It's incredibly grand and European. So my family were actually enslaved um, to a aristocratic family in Sydney called the Wanderlicks or Wanderlicks, and uh, they owned a the first pressed tin um, and plaster ceiling company in right. Sydney, which then um, was so successful that they um, moved their business out to Aotearoa as well. And their um, heritage protected and valued um, all throughout um, this region. So um, I'm always sort of working with those materials. And um, yeah, even though Gus Fisher doesn't hold Vonderlich ceilings, um, <laughs> I did see it as a great opportunity to have that conversation and to engage with those sort of sites. But those ceilings are here elsewhere in New Zealand? Oh, yeah, yes, they're, um, yes. I guess this is what I find really interesting about your work in in a New Zealand context, Jasmine, is when we we talk about this word slavery as as a dark word, there is a lot of conversation about slavery at the moment and and, and a confrontation of this past. But I always have the sense in New Zealand we think, oh, that's somewhere else. It it belongs somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, And your work is kind of very persistently talking in a very beautiful way to... It being really close to us, and yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested in how you feel that slavery, how this does relate to us in New Zealand. I mean, the work that really struck me was seeing in Christchurch, I think, which is at least gone to the title Mother Tongue, where, uh, with the remains of the slave ship that's in the harbour there near, uh, near Port Chalmers, Don Juan, mm-hmm. uh, and where you actually even exhibited some, some manacles, some slave manacles that were used, recovered from that boat, which were in a museum. It's a really uncomfortable <laughs> Something quite uncomfortable for New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, that, um, you know, I do find that uh, people prefer to see that as, oh, you know, 
oh, yes, Australia, of course, you know. And it's like, well, actually, you had slave traders which left from the port of Dunedin out to the Pacific. So, and, you know, Chelsea, oh, God, am I allowed to <laughs> defame Chelsea Sugar? <laughs> I, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Chelsea Sugar is, you know, subsidiary to Colonial Sugar, which is um, Colonial Sugar in Australia and in Fiji. And, you know, they're complicit in the slave trade and um, profiting of slavery. The sugar from Australia, which was off the backs of my people, used to come into Auckland to be refined. Right. And that's how, you know, so there's there's these um, moments in the history here which um, have um, conveniently been forgotten Um and, yeah, as you say, there's shackles which held my people, which are currently in the Auckland Museum and um, the Maritime Museum in Port Chalmers. So it's, it is everywhere. And, I mean, you know, I feel like my research has really only touched the surface and every time I take a look, there's more there. That's Jasmine Togo-Brisby there with John Vayer and their exhibition Outcast runs until the 27th of January at Gus Fisher Gallery on Shorten Street in Tamaki Makaurau. There's lots of great images of that show which looks amazing on our website together with a longer version of that interview. And for the exhibition, John and Jasmine have collaborated on T-shirts which can be bought for the price tag of the current hourly minimum wage, $22.70 there at the gallery. The T-shirts are inspired by the Australian workwear brand called Hard Yakka and Togo Brisby's shirt sees the Chelsea Sugar Refinery logo with the words Chelsea Sugar replaced with South Sea, her identity.